Did you have a story to share? Um, no. I kind of wish I did. I told you all of my stories before this about, like, regrounding my shower this weekend and uh, washing, getting ready to, but not having quite completed washing my mattress. I'm going to think about it all weekend, though, so... Are you going to wait till next weekend, or are you going to do it during the week? I'll probably wait until the weekend so that I can just shut the- Because it's our guest bed in my office, and the dogs come in and lay on the mattress during the week while I work, and they would be- I mean, we'd have a similar situation to what we just had now, where they would just burst in and get up on the mattress regardless of whether or not they were invited because they own me. I am owned by my dogs. (laughs) (laughs) This mattress is theirs. This office is theirs. I am lucky to be using this computer. Really, it's by their grace. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's how it feels having a baby. Man, life is just hard. Living with others who we think we have some control over. And we don't. No. We have nothing. The last control we, we ever had. in their domain. Yeah, was choosing to bring them into our lives, and that was our final choice <laughs> in the matter. <laughs> that was it. Uh, it's good, though. Yeah. Things, things are good. Things are fine. Everything's fine, and we're not being held hostage by our respective <laughs> baby and dogs. <laughs> <laughs> our choices were made, and we're fine. We're fine with them. <laughs> They're really cute, though, so both the baby and the dogs. All of them. All of them. Very cute. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I wish there was, like, interesting things in my life to talk about. I don't don't have much. Uh, About two weeks ago, Emily asked me if I wanted to start doing reels for our Instagram, and I said, heck yeah, I do, and then did not follow up on that yet so look at hey listeners look out for reels in the future maybe (laughs) if Raquel gets her stuff together we're gonna get on that any day now that's gonna be we're gonna blow up we're gonna blow up the internet with our cool cool reels things are gonna get real I did reels consistently on my personal page for like two weeks And now I haven't done them in like four days, and it's real hard to get back on the boat. I hate doing reels. I hate the internet. Yeah, I hate social media specifically. Like, I want to love it. And it's weird because I like haunting it. I want to be a ghost on social media, right? I don't want to be a presence. I want to be a ghost. I want to (laughs) look at everyone else's extremely good and clever uh, K-drama content and... I want to look at all of the art and the jokes and the memes and uh, what other people are up to in their lives, and I want no one to know what's happening. I don't want to be perceived. I don't want to be... (laughs) I also am bad at just, like, sitting down and taking the time to put stuff like that together. I think for some... I assume for some people it's actually enjoyable, right? Like, content creators, they... They mm-hmm. really find the actual content creation portion enjoyable. I want to, but I forget to even do it. I forget to even take part in it. <laughs> I think one of the most liberating things I heard with this trying to start my own business thing was someone saying, people hate this part. 
people who are starting their business and have to post on different social medias hate doing it. Everyone hates doing it. So I'm sure, like you said, there are content creators, there are influencers who enjoy doing that, and that's probably what drives them and what keeps them going. But I would guess that a majority of people, especially like artists and people who are creating just these amazing I don't know. I follow a lot of artists on Instagram. So like people who are doing pottery or painting or making earrings or making dresses, whatever they're making, I'm sure is what they're passionate about. And then to have to film it probably just sucks a little bit. Yeah, it's like and I'm how glad I'm not alone in that. <laughs> yes, it's like how we do this podcast. And we are very inactive on our social media platforms, but we love doing this podcast and we get together and we do it every week and it's what we're passionate about and we get to actually talk to each other about all the stuff we love to talk about. And then the time comes when we need to uh, make a single post on Instagram and it just is so difficult. Yeah, and we're not alone in that, but it's also, I think we would have a much bigger audience if we did engage on social media and respond to emails and do all the Patreon things and the YouTube things that other podcasters do. So it's weird to think about. It's weird to think about how much effort we could be putting into this. But god dang, the only part I actually genuinely enjoy is watching K-dramas and and talking to you. And then like peripherally like Hearing from fans always makes me incredibly happy. But then having to respond, it's like I respond with my heart immediately. I'm like, here's all the things that I want to tell you. And then I just don't put it down into words, which is awful of me. But (laughs) it's so much easier to think things than to actually do them. Yeah, So that's where I'm at. I was thinking about how... Even though we've been doing this for almost, what, almost five years? Or have we gone over across the five-year line? Almost Across the five. Jeez Louise, time gets away from me, right? Okay, yeah, it was five years Mm -hmm. this summer. Dang. Okay. Um, We've been doing this for five years, and I don't think we have a massive following, but we have... I have loved every single interaction we've ever had with, like, the people who reach out to us, and... The fact that we have kept it a pretty small production is, in its own way, a little bit nice, because it makes it feel like, even when new people find us five years in or whatever, still feels like the OGs are finding us, right? Like, the they everyone who's here now is still getting in on the ground level, and we're all doing this together, and we're just hanging out, and we're talking about K-dramas. Like, there's something special about the emails just coming to Raquel and I. Your comments on Instagram or your tweets at us are going directly to us. There is, I I wish we hired middlemen to manage our accounts so that we looked so much more professional and our audiences grew bigger and we could monetize and do all these fancy things. But yeah, there is something romantic about what we've got where it's just us still. So when people say hi, they're saying hi to the two of us. There's yeah. there's no one who leaves a little note on our desk that's like, somebody wrote you a nice email, and I think you should respond. 
or I have already <laughs> responded for you. Like, no, none of that. We are not coordinated. Mm-mm. We are not a, a business yet. Someday, maybe. But yeah. right now, it's just us. Welcome to the ground floor. We're, we're happy to have you here. Yeah, it's been five years. Welcome to the ground floor. We're still a mom and pop shop over here. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. Maybe someday we'll build it up. I like that maybe someday in five years from now, somebody will be listening to this and they'll be like, ah, so if I email them, I'll just get their assistant. It's like, probably not my guy. <laughs> just send us the email and it'll probably still be just the two of us. Yeah, you can pretty much count on it continuing to be a pretty small production even five more years from now when we are the, uh, when we make our tra- transition from Nuna podcasters to Ajuma podcasters. <laughs> It'll still be the same old show. <laughs> Just us getting older. The dream. The dream. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Just kidding. I can't. Oh I don't want to wish my yeah. I don't want to wish my life away. I just want to be grateful for. I want to romanticize the ten year mark so that when I feel old, I am happy about it instead of like, oh no, society has told me this is <laughs> awful. So I guess it is. <laughs> How old will you be in five years? I will be old. I will be thirty-four in five years. Oh, okay. So like old, yeah, real old, (laughs) pretty much crumbling (laughs) to dust, ancient by that point for sure. For any listeners, to celebrate, play on K. You'll have nothing else to celebrate. For any listeners who, for whatever reason, aren't aware from our tone that this is a joke i just i have to say like if you are 34 <laughs> i do not think that you are old at all i don't think you are not old and that's the joke my guys yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, and normally i don't feel is the, very young yeah i don't feel the need typically to explain jokes but in this sense i just it's so important to me to let everyone know that 34 is not old i think that's a great idea because ever since I had a kid. I would like to blame this on her instead of my own shortcomings. Ever <laughs> since I had a kid and I stopped sleeping at night, I think I've been really bad about changing my tone to be appropriate for the situation. So sometimes I'll listen back to our podcast and I'll be like, I was joking, but I sound so deadpan and serious. <laughs> Doesn't sound like I was joking at all. Sounds like I was very much serious. Yeah. Not and good. I, and I I get it and I can see you and I can see your face and we can both be like, lol, to ourselves in our eyes. Um, but it is hard. I think sometimes it's hard to regulate um sincerity on lack of sleep for me also i totally get that i my boyfriend becomes a different human if he gets hungry i become a different human if i don't get a solid sleep schedule going so i think there was a period of time recently too that i was also running on i think both of us were running on lack of sleep and i i don't know what those episodes are like i don't even know those people (laughs) at all Nobody listen to them, please. (laughs) We don't know those girls. I think there's also maybe a very specific generational group that thinks it's insane to call older people, like people who are older than you, old. 
and there is a and maybe it's in less of a generational thing and more of an age group thing where people who are young adults like 17 to 20 year olds might genuinely think anyone in their 30s is old and that is just so foreign to me that it just seems I don't know it just doesn't connect in my brain I'm like that's not possible why would you ever think a 30-year-old or even a 40-year-old or a 50-year-old is old. Maybe I'm just lucky to be so close with my grandma, who's almost 90, and see that she's old. And I'm like, okay, if you're younger than 90, you're not, <laughs> you're not old. You're doing okay. <laughs> but I forget that some people, even our age, might be like, oh, 34, that's so old. And they'd be genuine about it. That just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it is. A, it's completely wild. I immediately was thinking about that. I saw something funny enough on Rails the other day. I think it's from a YouTube series that a young Korean musician does. Uh, and I could be totally wrong. Like that, I and I don't know what it's called, and I don't know the musician. I don't know her name, but she had Lee Dong Wook on with her. Oh, and, lovely. Yeah, and he is 40-something now. And that is surprising, not because it's old, but just because of how ageless that he is, that uh, you could tell me literally any age, and I would be like, what? Because like, he just <laughs> yeah. doesn't, it feels like he doesn't have an age. Um, but uh, she, he says something about his age, and she immediately to his face goes, oh, that's so old. <laughs> And he laughs. He thinks it's funny. But I just immediately thought of that. It is like such a, it's, I think it's that same mindset that makes, that like kids have between the ages of, I don't know, being aware that death can happen whenever that that happens to sometime in your 20s when you just, you don't think about it applying to you necessarily unless there's very specific situations, right? And I think it's that same mindset, that invincibility, that youthful invincibility also makes you think it's almost like you can't fathom the ages when you think that those will begin to, like, that rule that death comes for everything, everyone will uh, begin to apply to you. <laughs> mm. I would wonder if there's also a connection between finally seeing your parents as people and trying to remember their ages where when I was little I finally learned my parents age I don't know when I was six or something and my parents were like 44 and I just thought they were that age I thought 44 was the age that my parents were from like six to 12 you know just a very long time a long period of my life that they were that age and so it always kind of stuck with me it was embedded in my mind that 44 was the age my parents were so that was old for a while that was like adults are that age and adults are old and so when you finally start to disconnect from your parents being your parents and start to see them as humans who are aging and who are people beyond being parents, it might also be easier to be like, oh, okay. Yeah, the age that they were when I was very little was not 
the oldest that a person could be. That's um, that's a six-year-old's way of thinking. Yeah. I have reached the age where I now just panic every time I uh, think about my parents' age, just because I simply don't envision them as old now in my adulthood. But every time I think about them getting older, you know, and one day being old, I'm like, oh, that's that can't happen, actually, is what is important to me is that my parents never get old. Mm-hmm. And it's it's mostly a just deep-rooted attachment and need for my parents still as an adult. I'm a 29-year-old woman and I cannot – they have to stay young and healthy and uh, I wish that my parents could just be 44 forever. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, not even just your parents. My dad just told me that my uncle is turning 70 this year, I think. Whoa. And he's like the funny, silly uncle that's yeah. always telling jokes and doing dances and being crazy. And there's just something about that uncle, the crazy uncle. Not just any uncle, but the crazy one who's always silly that feels very youthful. And there was this disconnect between finding out he's 70 and feeling like he was always stuck at 40 where I was like oh I I guess I am still the six-year-old that has given people an age that they cannot move forward from (laughs) your brain's like 70 is a grandparent age 40 is a parent is a parent and uncle age (laughs) parent and uncle age is 40 so he's 40 right (laughs) it's weird he's and well I guess Lee Dong-wook is uncle age is uncle age impossible <laughs> because i decided when i was 12 that there were groups for these types of people <laughs> okay Lee dong wook is opa age which is 25 to 35 <laughs> and it does not matter that i am older than that he could be 25 and he'd still be an opa okay <laughs> that's the rules Nobody's yes, respecting the rules of aging anymore, and I hate yeah, it. I hate it. What's wrong with everyone these days? Stay the age I assigned to you in my head. Okay? People of a certain that's, age that's these respect. days. That's <laughs> respect. <laughs> the disrespect is rampant. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a weird episode. Yeah, that got away from us, and I expect the actual talk about the K-drama to be no different. <laughs> Here we go. Welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it three episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched episodes 16 through 18 of Dr. Romantic 1. Woo! Romantic Dr. Teacher Kim, season one. (laughs) Almost done. We're almost done. Penultimate episodes. Yep. So this is our, if you don't count the bonus, second to last episode of this show. And I'm finally starting to like pretty much everyone that I'm supposed to, that the show has told me I'm supposed to like. So 
Wow. I, okay, I was with you. I kind of felt like episode 18 was just a mess that very much lost me for a minute there. I'm sure they'll bring it back. Everything will be fine. But the scene where everyone's like, we're about to be fired. And then the paramedics rush in a dude with glass sticking out of his body. And they're like, hey, where should we? And then they just stop because everybody's just staring at them like, excuse me, we're having a moment. I was like, this is episode two stuff, my guys. Why are we... Why are we still going through, like, should we be doctors despite what's going on in our personal lives? Like, <laughs> That's fair. That is a pretty, that is a tired argument. You've done that the whole show. Stop doing that. This man is dying. Yeah. And like, then, I thought that this show was us learning that you are doctors first and your your purpose is to to help the patient no matter what. But I guess, like, you know, go off, worry about your career or whatever. Keep driving that home. <laughs> and then, yeah, Kong Dong Ju at the end of the episode, I thought we were all friends now. Yes. I thought there was an iota of trust in the room where if he was questioning Dr. Kim, he would approach him in a reasonable manner and say, "What? It, what is this? Does this mean that you took a VIP surgery and let my father die? Because that's what this paper says. But instead, he's like, let me take this to the ER and start screaming in front of everyone. What is like this? Just like the woman did to him. And it's, yeah, it's one of those things also, it's not just the iota of trust. It's also that I thought that when he did that, that was, he he accepted the VIP surgery and it cost someone else their life ultimately, uh, I thought that that was a learning moment on multiple levels, right? Not just for him to be a better doctor who serves the patients, but maybe it could be a learning lesson where we stop and we think, okay, I've made this really big mistake, and at the end of the day, no matter how much respect I have for Dr. Kim, he is also a human being who makes mistakes. We've all seen it happen. Uh... Not a bunch. The show has kind of made him out to be a god, right? But at the same time, it's kind of like, kind of how dare you crawl up onto that high-ass horse, right? How how dare you bust out your seven-foot ladder to boost yourself up onto this high-ass horse after <laughs> it has not been that many episodes since we found out you did the exact same thing, and it was... A big turning moment, I thought, but at this point, I'm not so sure. Um, cause you, you did, oh, you went ahead and you busted out that ladder. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Why are we, I don't know. I think Raquel and I have explained a lot of times that in a relationship, and this is usually in the context of a romantic relationship, we want some drama to happen in the couple getting together. But then once they're together, don't mess with the couple. We want all the drama to happen outside of them, not between them. That's frustrating to us. And this felt very reminiscent of that, where I was like, we see the surgery going on and they play so many scenes side by side that kind of show that Kong Dong-ju has become maybe the next Dr. Kim. He is his protege in a way. 
and everybody starts to see it and the scenes are playing out so that it's super clear that even the whole Doldom family, but especially these two characters, have come together. This is the end game. Everyone's on the same team now. And so to see this rift just come out of nowhere felt so dumb. I was like, no, you can't just rift between the two of them. There has to... I loved that the drama with Chairman Shin had stayed outside of the Doldom team and had really cemented them as a team. And so to try and go back and be like, now let's chip away at this team is like, no, well, you can't. I just don't believe it and I don't like it and don't do that. Yeah, that's some early episode shenanigans where the team got together and now... And they resolved all of their differences, and they've grown together as a team. And yeah, like you said, there's trust between them. And now we're just pretending like all of the things that happened that built up that trust didn't happen. And all of those growing moments where we learn about our own mistakes and failings as humans that can apply to other people. Uh, we're going to disregard those ones as well. So we're going to disregard the trust that was built through our experiences, and we're going to disregard the self-growth that was built during our experiences through the last 18 episodes. Cool, 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 cool. Thank you. Would this not have been a more appropriate time to bring back some of the storylines that we saw earlier <laughs> instead of wasting our time going back through the same drama of just not trusting each other, I don't appreciate. So yeah, it was like, it was one small scene in a sea of very good episodes. These three episodes were pretty solid. I liked them a lot. Yeah. But then that cliffhanger had me pretty upset. Yeah, I, I agree. Cause, and it's one of those things too, where this K drama is definitely guilty of doing that thing where they end on something that they kind of play off in the next episode as not being as dramatic as they made it out to be as a cliffhanger. Like when it's an intro, it's kind of a different conversation. They still use that, but there's so much more context that they add. Uh, <laughs> at the top of that, the next episode or whatever. So. I'm hoping that that's the case, or I don't know. It, it's so corny, and so part of me does not want this to happen, but I almost wonder if he's making the scene to uh, almost to serve a purpose to help somehow, which I know sounds really convoluted because I don't know exactly how it helps other than, you know, a lot of eyes are on them, a lot of reporters' eyes and stuff, and... Maybe if the drama is taken off of one thing and put on another or something, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of too convoluted to be that, right? But it it would kind of be the only thing also that fully lets Kong Dong Ju off the hook for being a huge stupid brat all over again. <laughs> That's fair. If he had an ulterior motive with all of this that made it a little bit more interesting... But yeah, it's hard when the setup to that scene was they had three patients that all needed surgery. As far as I understand, they only have two operating rooms and seems like they only have enough staff for at most two operations at once. So there was already enough of a conundrum on their plates. And 
I think they could have built off that rather than pivoting to it being more of this conflict between Dr. Kim and Dr. Kong. Yeah. Agreed. They did such a good job of making the drama about the medical procedures and then like the political issues between the both of the hospital names just left my brain at the same time. I know one starts with a D and one starts with a G and they just exited fully as I was about to say. Doldum and I can't think of the other one. Golday? Golday. That was very interesting to me. Uh, Kind of like you mentioned, and I think I agreed last week that the quarantine episode was your favorite up to that point. I think my favorite so far has been the episode where they are doing CEO Shin's surgery. And there is... Like, there was all this lead up, right, where they're trying to cut off the time and it's kind of a race, but they're succeeding and they're doing an amazing job. And then they throw in the drama of the one surgery patient needing surgery, but both of uh, both Dr. Kong and and Do In Bum are needed for both surgeries like that's the only way that they can get what i it was very good i i don't know how realistic it is but it was so good (laughs) oh and yeah it's so subtle in showing dr kong and how much he's learned from master kim where he's not phased by this nurse actually yelling at him we have to go they said it's time like ma'am you need to use your indoor voice in the operating room. <laughs> but uh, he's not phased by anything. He's doing the stitching super fast. It's, oh, it's beautiful. And it was played out so well. And yeah, it's just, I mean, it's always exciting to see a win. But this was a win that I think they did a great job building up how hard it was going to be. And then... They executed it perfectly with just enough drama thrown in with the other surgery and then this crowd of people outside who are watching and who are just unable to say anything bad about it. It's mm, peak, peak drama. So good. Chef kiss. Ah, I really liked it as well. (gasps) Which, okay, pivot here. I think... We also got a lot of bromance between Doen Bum and Kong Dong Ju because of that surgery. Yes, we asked them for a bromance and they said, you got it. You got it. You deserve. <laughs> we don't deserve, but thank you. So much. I love cranky, bratty Doen Bum. He is such a delight. He's such a delight. He's so cranky all the time about everything, even when he's not actually cranky. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. I love because his relationship with everyone in the hospital is so different, but he's a really consistent character. Like you said, he's just a very cranky dude, and that comes across very differently with each of the people he interacts with. And it's... mm, it's so good. Obviously, I loved him with Kong Dongju. Did you like his relationship or his scenes with Yonhua? No. Uh, <laughs> no. I did not. Uh, here's the thing. I 
kind of get what they're trying to go for. I think there's a couple things they're trying to go for, right? He is feeling really backed into a corner at that point, and he's kind of... He struggles blaming himself, so he's finding someone else to be angry at. Uh, but but who he's really angry at is is himself. He's 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 more angry. He's really looking within and then acting <laughs> outside of himself. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> psychology over. Uh, I don't like it. It's problematic because just kind of on a lot of levels where. Uh, it's really annoying to me that they've made him a character who seems to not think much of, you know, specifically Yunhua, but then it kind of comes out just generally about all nurses at one point when Nurse Park tries to step in. Oh my god. And that really is uncomfortable, and I don't want him to be such a shitty shit, but here we are. That's fair. I think it was a an interesting opportunity to finally address some of the abuse that happens between more senior and more junior doctors. And that's been happening the entire show. I don't know if we've talked about it very much, but even in the first episodes with um, Dr. Yoon and Dr. Kong, when he talks back to her and she's like, well, then I guess you're going to get the tough patients. And eventually she's like, this isn't to bully you. It's to help you or something. And I'm like, um, sister, no, you're absolutely bullying him. Yeah, that's and actual that's retaliation. Just, like, normal. Yeah, but it's treated as so normal, this whole series. It's just like, if you're a more senior doctor, you can kind of do whatever you want to the younger doctors, which I assume is very real. That's my impression is that's a very real harassment problem. Yeah. And then the excuse being, well, th- this happened to me when I was a younger doctor. It's it's like the f- fraternity hazing mindset where it's like, it's fine if I do this to them because it happened to me when I was a new doctor. And it's like, oh, uh, that's just prolonging and perpetuating some toxic and problematic behavior. Yeah, that doesn't make it okay. And nobody ever addresses it in this series. So I liked that Park and Talk had the opportunity to be like, there's, there's something to teach, and there's a way to teach it. I'm glad he's telling you what to do, but it's not okay the way he's doing it. And like, oh, I mean, Park and Talk can do no wrong in my eyes, but I just appreciated that finally that was addressed on some level, even to the smallest extent. Like, he can teach you, but he has to respect you while doing it. Mm, simple. Let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, I at this point... We are not even in the final episode, and unless something crazy happens, we might actually have to just create an entirely new award for Nurse Park, right? Because he, I don't know (laughs) if he fully qualifies for, like, the Happy Award, but he's been flawless this whole time. Yeah. Even throwing punches, he's just been real good. I can't hold anything against him. I love him. He's perfect. He should He's be the main perfect. character. He's the next Dr. Kim. <laughs> <laughs> can can I bring up a small complaint I had with Yoon So-jung? 
Is that her name? I think mm-hmm. I got her name right. <laughs> yes. Okay. So when Dr. Kong was telling her, hey, I'm really against this surgery for Chairman Shin. I don't think we should do it. And I don't think we should encourage Master Kim to do it. This seems like a bad idea. It's really risky and dangerous. She gets this little monologue where she's speaking very calmly. And it seems like it's coming from, it seems like it's being portrayed as this like enlightened speech where she's teaching him. And she says, like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime surgery. We will never get an opportunity like this again to see such a complicated artificial heart change and in such an old patient and with Dr. Kim at the helm. That is something that I can't pass up. And the way she's saying it, you're like, yeah, sister, she's in the right. You gotta, like, but, like, listening to the words... It sounds like the most selfish thing I've ever heard in my life. It's not really in the interest of the patient, right? Like it is because it's what the patient wants to do, but it's that's not what she's describing it as, right? It's not her saying the patient has been informed of the risks and it's something that that he still wants to go through with. And it it is going to be a complicated surgery. I can see why you have your reservations about it. And she's talking about the reasons he's having his reservations as being the benefits where it's like, no, the benefits are A, we're doctors and we're trying to save this person's life. B, this person has given consent dis- in spite of the risks that have been fully presented to him. And C, I think maybe the most tertiary thing, so that's why it's C, being it it is going to, you know, be difficult, but what an opportunity to, you know, really, really try to save this life or whatever, you know, try and save this life, try and save the hospital, if that was even it, right? Like, what other choice do we have? We need to go through with it to save the hospital. Whatever your reasonings are, I think there's a lot better than... I just think it's going to be pretty dope to see the inside of this dude's chest. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it sounded like. And they played it out with such beautiful music and beautiful lighting that it seemed like it wasn't supposed to sound like that. But it's absolutely all she said. (laughs) I think we should do this because it's going to be great for my career or even just my learning. It's going to be great for my learning. Okay, well, that's a pretty self-centered reason, ma'am. Is there any other reason that you have? Nope, just that. Just that you're obsessed with Dr. Kim and you want to do anything he does? Okay, gross. Like, mm, I, I mean, I want more from her, but at the same time, I do appreciate that the show has decided that Dr. Kong is going to be Dr. Kim's kind of protege, and they've... I don't know, started to step in the direction of Dr. Kong being the shadow of Dr. Kim, not Dr. Yoon, even though it's all she wants with her whole heart. So it it makes me sad for her. But at the same time, I think this boy's got a little bit more of a level head, where she's a little bit too obsessed with Dr. Kim. She would 
jump off a bridge if he said so, right? Which is not necessarily good yeah. for the patients. Yeah, I think of that, man, I, I'm i completely unqualified to even pull in this source material, but it's literally just a tweet I saw from Adam Grant, who's an author who talks a lot about, I think he, a lot of his stuff is talking about how- Psychology. Yeah, like thought psychology, like how we should be thinking about things. And then I recently have seen a lot of his tweets being specifically how we think about, like, the workplace and leadership and, I don't know, just a bunch of stuff. Anyway, that isn't as relevant as, relevant as yeah, like, the thought psychology of – I saw a tweet of his recently that said something along the lines of, it's a bad idea to um, say you would die for, you know, like – this is really just the gist. This is not what it said. This is not a direct co- quote, but it's like a bad idea to say that, like you would die for like a person, right? Or you would sacrifice everything for, you know, a thing, a person, uh, an idea even, or I, I personally think of like a country, like it's a really bad idea to say like, I'd do anything for my country when it's like, okay, but what, like, what are the values and, and his, his quote is something along along the lines of it's a better idea to say like what are your values that you would that that you attach to this thing that this thing that this person this country this thought idea displays that makes you feel this loyalty to it right where it's like they kind of have set Dr. Kong up sort of I don't maybe not to the extent that I would love to see it but they've set him more up to you know, be a bit of a skeptic and and say, but why? In a lot of situations to make sure it's the right thing first, he does a bad job of it. So I don't want to like act like he's doing the best job ever at being at being the correct kind of skeptic or, or following the correct values or whatever. But they've set him up more to that where he'll he'll question a thing versus saying like yeah if if dr kim told me to kill myself i would and this is a joke but also like (laughs) if he's doing it i'm doing it yeah yeah i think that's really interesting i need to follow adam grant on twitter but uh that's a good way of putting it where i think he's dr kong has more of these He's adopting more of the values of Dr. Kim and more of the processes, whereas Dr. Yoon is just blindly following him. And I think she's maybe a better person than Dr. Kong, but but to blindly follow someone is not necessarily going to set you up for success, especially when they eventually leave. So it's, yeah, it's hard because, yeah, I want it for her. I want her to be the next Dr. Kim because it's what she wants. But it's hard when, yeah, she doesn't question what would be best. She just questions what would Dr. Kim do. And that's not quite enough. Oh. Well, now I'm just sad for her. Yeah. I want... I like her more than I like Dr. Kong overall, but yeah, that that particular scene, I totally agree. It 
what she was saying did not match. And maybe it was the translation. No, no shade at the translators. They're doing more than I could ever do. Maybe it was the translation, or maybe that was exactly how she feels, and it was the perfect translation. Either way, it... The What was being said that I was reading on the screen did not match what I could tell the show wanted me to feel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was weird. Oh. How did you feel about the daughter? I feel like she was kind of a turnaround. Very morally gray, but I was fully on her team in these episodes where she's just in full daughter mode. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I liked her too in these episodes. Um, Because yeah, the last episodes, it's interesting. I can't think of really a time in the last episodes. Maybe they just, it they really successfully set her up as morally gray. And then I, whatever the case may be, it's almost like there was a, a stark line between episode 15, who she was in episode 15, and who she was from, like, episode mid-episode 16 on. Um, there's, like, this stark line of when she starts to be a lot more of a person, and she's not just coming for Dr. Kim because of who she is on the board and who he, he is to her and whatever. And like you said, yeah, she goes full daughter mode. And I, I really appreciated it because I thought that it was interesting how they played out her character by the end of her arc when she leaves. And she's like, I don't actually care that much. I am a rich person, so obviously I care about money. But mostly I just want my dad to live. Yeah. That was such a good line and a good end cap to this whole storyline where she's like, I was going along with the things that Director Doe recommended not to spite you, as I think Director Doe is trying to do, but to take care of my dad. I was scared that he wasn't waking up and I thought it would be best to move him to a different hospital. I do not care about anyone or anything Besides my father, which does make me probably a bad person, but it's uh, it was my motivation. So sorry we didn't get along, but don't misjudge me. I was like, mm, I liked that. I I liked that for her. Yeah, she had she had a really good arc. She had a really and good a short, turnaround. Good, good yeah. Arc. A, yeah. A, yeah, a good short arc. Just a couple episodes. She came in like a wrecking ball. She left like a normal <laughs> human being. <laughs> as we all do as we all do <laughs> I don't know why this episode is turning into just a quiz but what did you think of the reporter um, how was that also came in like a wrecking ball I don't know I <laughs> I think that they are finally confronting Dr. Kim's past properly in an interesting way. Like, I kind of am okay with the fact that they brought in a, a reporter that knows about his past to to start pushing and prodding at those um, those sore, sore spots for him. And and I'm, I'm okay with the fact that that is how they are doing it. What I feel is happening, what I feel they're setting us up for is, remember so many episodes ago with the psychologist who, uh, in the end, um, like, Dr. Kim had saved his kid, and, like, 
he did a good turn or what, like he did his job, but they framed it as like a good turn because Dr. Kim had saved his kid. And then there was the inspector a couple episodes later that was um, trying to have the hospital shut down and then his kid needed help. And so Dr. Kim helped his kid. And then like he, I guess what I'm saying is if Dr. Kim helps any member of this reporter's family or like if if that is how they resolve this i'm going to be really disappointed i would be more interested in the reporter finding out the truth in a normal way like through investigation and maybe it's kind of shady investigation but he's a reporter who will stop at nothing to get the cold hard facts or i don't care like whatever the case may be <laughs> if that is how they play it out and they actually have the reporter find out the truth and then report the truth in the end, kind of like I think they're going to have him do. That's pretty cool. It's just gonna suck if they they make it a conflict of interest again because no one can do their job unless Dr. Kim has saved a member of their family. See, I didn't even think of that. I thought it was really cool because they haven't seemed to be going in that direction. And yeah, I guess they have every other time, so they might again. But I thought it was cool that it was like, no, someone is coming in to do a job and maybe do a dirty job, but they're getting swayed by the truth and trying to find out what's actually going on with Dr. Kim's backstory. And it's even someone who's not only in the pocket of Director Do now, but who actively worked to destroy Bu Yongju so many years ago. And I was like, oh, it's really cool that, yeah, this whole new thing is coming out, that he's trying to get to the bottom of it, kind of on his own, under the table, doing his own thing. Maybe he's going to ruin his reputation as a reporter or at least his relationship with director doe but he's not motivated by anything except genuine curiosity and interest for the truth and i was like ah i like that it's a slow moving storyline we'll see what happens but i thought it was really cool yeah yeah so far i like it i they've only given me reason to think that he'll do the right thing if a member of his family is sick. Like, they're gonna find out, like, the manga... Oh, no. <laughs> the manga writer is actually uh, his cousin. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> That's fair. What's up with that guy? Why is he just chilling in the ICU? Just always around. I forget, because he had, he had issues um, with, like suicidal tendencies previously but i thought they had kind of helped him somehow with both like with his actual injuries but also more generally i don't i his storyline isn't fully hashed out maybe they'll hash it out more in time and that's why he's still around but i also am confused because i thought after he got his inspiration back or something he left the hospital but then all of a sudden he was there and i was like oh Yeah, (laughs) yeah. okay, I'm glad you also can't remember, because I was like, did I just forget when he came back? Because I I remember he's been there often, but he keeps leaving, and 
Now he's in the ICU, and I can't remember when he got there, which is fine, but I don't know why. There's just so many characters that I want to know more about, like the kitchen staff and the driver who hit all the bicyclists and probably a few more that I can't think of. Yeah. There's storylines I want wrapped up. His probably wasn't amongst them, but he's just here, chilling all the time. To be the cousin of the reporter that gets <laughs> saved, and then he gets saved by Dr. Kim, and he was the reporter's favorite cousin. They were all each- the two of each other had as kids. Oh no, <laughs> they were? Yeah. Oh, that's too sad. Now the reporter has to do his job. <laughs> Oh, Gail, you and your trust issues. <laughs> Valid. They've they've broken our trust too many times. But I'm excited. I think he'll do the right thing just out of the goodness of his heart. Also, okay. So we've got him. He's hanging in the hanging in limbo. We're curious what'll happen there. Who's the Udon lady as well? What? Yeah, that I I thought that um Chief of Medicine, Chief So, was about to finally do what we've been asking him to do this whole time. I thought when he heard there was a reporter poking around, he was about to go and take care of making sure only the truth gets out or whatever, using his higher-up standing to really sway the people. I don't know. Just Oh, the director of the hospital? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I thought that that... Uh. That's what he was on, because he goes and sees the Udon lady, right? Like, right after he finds out that there's a reporter hanging out. So I was like, oh, he's doing it. He's really finally doing it. And then he shows up and he's just like, Uh I just want Udon. And, like, just real chill the whole time and we'd find out nothing about her or what he's up to there. Right? Like, am I missing something? No. I'm sure it'll circle back and she'll be an important player later. But I, yeah, I hate it. I hate that it was so vague because, yeah, we've been waiting. We demanded for Director Yo to come back down from his pedestal on the second level. Yeah, that's how. I thought you might have been talking about Chief Surgeon's song. Yeah, no. But no, it's Yo. Yeah. Damn. Don't worry about it. I'll edit it. I'll edit it out and edit my voice. <laughs> yeah, it just, just like breaks in. I'm like d- director, and then you go yo, <laughs> yo. <laughs> That's my powers. I am director yo of this podcast, and I can do anything. Um, no, I think everyone knew who you're talking about. Um, yeah, he came down from his ivory tower, which was awesome awe-inspiring we were all shook like what's he gonna do what's gonna happen and then they give us vagaries they give us nothing they give us tension and build up and something will happen later but he's not gonna push this lady and we all know why and you're like no we don't know anything so the tension is dropping minute by minute that you're just sitting here and this lady keeps going get out of here and you keep going I'm not here to fight. I'm just here for noodles. Okay. Are you going to fight later or are we just going to sit here? Because also, once again, trust issues. Your behavior has been nothing but I'm very wise, but I don't actually do stuff. 
You're giving us nothing. Come on, yo. Let's go. This is your chance to shine. Save the hospital. If only. Nope. If only. Chairman Shin's going to save the hospital. But (laughs) I guess that's up in the air. There's still this question of Chairman Shin woke up, but the hospital might still be closed down. So... Yeah, and Chairman Shin woke up, but also does still have lung cancer, I think, terminal, so. Yeah, his daughter really just went back to the States, like, I'm sure he'll be fine. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not worried about the other terminal illness he has. You guys got this. You replaced his whole heart in six hours, so. I'm sure you'll you'll be on top of it. Um, you don't want to stay in the country for just a few months to see what happens? Spend some time with him, maybe? It sounds like you're a pretty involved daughter, despite living in another country most of the time, so you could just, like, but I, I, hang out. I guess it's Little League season. You don't want to miss your son's big game. Let's get back to the States. Back to Florida. Back to Florida. The state. <laughs> um, I don't know. I shouldn't judge. I'm sure she's a very busy lady. But crazy. And nothing's resolved. We've got a lot to look forward to with the last three episodes. They've got a lot of characters to just bring back in like a little parade that should walk through the ER and go, I'm okay now. Here's how my healing process went. Thank you all for saving me. Goodbye. Just like keep them coming. Keep that. <laughs> make that happen for us. Yep. Just because we've only got a couple episodes left, so maybe if you had, like, two or three every episode, then we could wrap it up by then. And then you don't need to create any tension between our main characters, who are mostly now friends. We've still got Doan Bum, who's working on becoming friends with everybody. I think that's plenty, plenty to work with. Mm -hmm. Let's keep focusing on what we've got and keep moving. Yeah. Don't present old conflict into the current drama that's happening just let it just let it flow let's write out let's write out the end of whatever's going on now without all of the old stuff coming back up <laughs> i think okay so i know i know i did not take notes so i think this episode has been a bit chaotic mm-hmm. and i'm sorry for that classic us though what else can you expect did you have anything else you wanted to add before we do our wrap up Um, no, I think we talked about pretty much everything I wanted to cover. What about you? Same, 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 same. I, (gasps) okay, no, I lied. One last scene. We don't really have to discuss it. I just want to say I was rolling on the floor laughing, literally, because I was watching the show on the floor already, when the two teams, the one from Godet Hospital and the one from Doldom Hospital, like, just full-on fought a brawl broke out in the entrance of the hospital i just thought that was real funny i think that is peak chief song and peak gite like those two characters are just silly enough to pull that kind of thing off yes and they took advantage of that yep they did I mean, honestly in my heart and mind they played the long game of just setting up that one conflict because yeah. every if any other doctors had been part of that at any point in time, 
or any other hospital staff members or any of that, I would have been furious because I would have thought in my mind, you are professionals. Why are you brawling in the middle of this hospital? But they have set up the characters, Kite and uh, Dr. Song, to be the perfect leaders of a very weird, unprofessional, <laughs> but hilarious brawl in the middle of the hospital. Oh, I loved it. It was so weird. So good. So good. Um, that's where I want to end. We'll end on the good stuff for <laughs> once. Finally. We've done it. After Finally. five years. <laughs> we'll leave you with good vibes only. Yep. Um... If you want to send good vibes our way, you can do it by email at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, or you can find our website at playonk.com, where you can comment on episodes, sign up for some future newsletters in the future. Or you can find our affiliate links. You could sign up for, you could use our links to sign up for Skillshare, learn a new skill for NordVPN, protect your computer, and or watch uh, K-dramas that are not licensed in your region. And then we also have Blueberry Podcasting if you guys want to start a podcast. If you use our link and you start a podcast and you want to reach out to us and let us know what podcast you started, please do. That's dope as hell. Yeah, we'll even give you a shout out. We will promote your podcast. We would love to do that for you. Oh, um, we are also on Instagram at Play on K Podcast and on Twitter at Play on K. And I'm only somewhat sure those are correct because we genuinely never look at those. I'm so sorry. Someday, someday we'll make a reel. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then the last thing that I always ever think to say, but I think there's one last thing, but the last thing I ever think to say is just that the freest and coolest way to help us is giving us a five-star rating or a review or whatever the case may be on where you find us, wherever you find us. Uh, it really helps us out and it helps other K-Drama podcast listeners find us. Yeah, we have a Patreon. I think we're just going to close it. It's been a bit of a mess on there. But we'll let you know if there's a monetary way to support us in the very soon future. We'll keep you posted. And we'll try and post notices on the Patreon so that you actually know. But either way, we'll let you know in the future if there are more ways to support us. But for now, you've got that short list. And we look forward to seeing you next week for the finale of Romantic Doctor Teacher Kim Season 1. Yeah, K-bye. K-bye.